Welcome to Kashrus on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And tonight's program is going to be very, very special because it's the third year that we've had our guest, Rabbi Nachman Binowitz, who's joining us from the OU and who deals with, the, uh, among other things, he puts out the OU Guide to Passover, a beautiful book. And if you don't have it, you should get it. Uh, you can get it through the Yeshul probably or we'll find out else how you can get it. You can even look at online. Anyway, if you'd like to call in, um, you have to give us a couple of minutes and just jot down the number, 718 718- Six eight three five eight five eight, and if you want to text us at three four seven nine two seven eight three nine eight. And our topic tonight is going to be Pesach and all the different products, all the questions you have about products. Not necessarily going to talk about kashering and all that tonight, but anything you have to deal with products, or what what needs hashkacha, what doesn't need hashkacha. And uh, the Pesach, whether it's uh, acceptable without Ashkacha. And we're going to be discussing with Rabbi Rabinowitz all those topics. But before we begin, I just want to make a quick mention of a few issues. Number one, last week we had a show dealing with uh, uh, foods that we eat on Pesach and adjusting our diet. And we've discussed a number of times issues regarding people who are overweight, seriously overweight. And the, the idea of weight reduction, it's a topic that we've tied into a number of times. And people wonder why we do that. I just want to tell on a personal note that in the last few weeks, three people that I know very well, young men in their 50s, are, are, told me that they are candidates for surgery in the next uh, few months or a year. The doctors informed them that they need surgery, uh, two with hips operations, and the third one with knees, both knees. So uh, it's serious operations. And I told them, what about diet? What about dietitian? And none of them were able to grab a hold of it. And it's a very frightening thing when you realize that here are people who are facing serious surgery, and uh, didn't say it's life-threatening, but serious surgery, and definitely adjustment in their diet would have helped tremendously and perhaps avoid some of this surgery. And I, even the doctors told them that, but somehow I wasn't able to persevere. So that's one of the reasons why we do mention this thing on the radio and in the magazine on some kind of regular basis. Another thing that I wanted to share with you is that uh, the, the topic of tonight, we'll, we'll go into that topic right now in just one minute. But before we go on to anything else, I'm just going to read a few words about our sponsor. Our sponsor is uh, Glotmart, which is located at 1205 Avenue M. And uh, they've been our sponsor for the three years that we've been doing Kashrus on the air. This is the third year. We're starting now, uh, and we started in March three years ago. And also, they are a sponsor of uh, the Kashrus magazine for many years, for over 30 years. And they've been servicing the uh, the Flappish community for 35 years. So here are a few items that are going to be on sale in uh, Glotmart. Right now, they're on sale. You can go in the store and pick them up. They're two liter kosher for Pesach, for Pesach uh, the Coke kosher for Pesach, 99 cents, the limit of eight. You can get uh, Geffen Whole Hearts of Palm, 199. Geffen Solid White Tuna in water at 169 for uh, six ounce, very, very good price. Glick's Applesauce, two for five dollars. It's a five ounce uh, size there. It says five, it must be a different mistake. Um, and uh, Lieber's Pickles of Gherkins, 24-ounce size, two for $3. Those are some of the uh, specials that are, are on at Glotmart 
this week until Wednesday, today and tomorrow. And the new, new items come on sale. If you want to save some time going to, sh- going to shop at Glotmart, enter Glotmart from the uh, East 12th Street entrance, and you can park your car at the valet parking pro- uh, service, and they will have the car ready for you out with the purchases from the store. At uh, Glotmart, the quality of meats is A1, with kosher certification from both the Star K and the Vatakashas of Flappish. With Basios of Meats with expert Nikor, at Glotmart, you're getting quality kosher. Glotmart is at 1205 Avenue M, meaning your shopping needs is their top priority. If you meet Dove in Glotmart, tell them you heard about Glotmart on Kosher on the Air or with J Root Radio. I want to just uh, mention something to Rabbi Rabinowitz that uh, happened today. I got a call from a woman, and she went um, she went into a store. Actually, I got two calls, but one of them more nogat to Pesach. She walked into the store, and the store is not a regular store. It's in our neighborhood, but it's not a regular store. It's a Pesach store. Everything there is kosher Pesach. That's the store is billed as a Pesach store. And she walks in, and she picks up something, and then before she leaves, she noticed... There's no hashkacha on it. That's a product that normally carries, uh, it hasn't, I'm sorry, it hasn't hashkacha, it has an OU, but it doesn't say OUP. So uh, she was concerned that she went to the owner of the store, and he told her, you know, some of the products that are under the OU are kosher of Pesach, even with no special sign of a P for Pesach, no special mention of kosher of Pesach, and some of them are acceptable. And this is one of those. So I don't know what caused it, but she challenged him a little bit. He went on to the, on to the Internet. He must have looked at the, the booklet on the Internet, because you can, you, can, you can access it over the Internet. And sure enough, it wasn't in the recommended list. <laughs> and this was in a Pesach store in our neighborhood. So, you know, people think, oh, I'm, going to, I'm not going to go to one of those stores that has Chometz and, and, and Pesach products, I'm going to go to a Pesach store that doesn't take away your responsibility to think before you buy, to check your products. And I'm going to share one quick story because this is a scary story and it's not Pesach, but it ties in. Somebody told me that they normally shop in ShopRite and in ShopRite they, they like to buy things, they save some money, and they went ahead and they purchased something, and they figured it had an OU because all the other packages right in the area had an OU, and this one didn't. And it was milchiks, and they used it in cooking fleshiks. And they felt absolutely terrible. But, and they said, we can't go shopping in ShopRite anymore. I said, that isn't the point. You can shop there, don't shop there. The point is you have to be the mashkiach to check in your products. Uh, mashkiach in a restaurant, he has to go and check and find out what's being brought into the store. Is it something that's acceptable or not? They, he has to make a decision. Sometimes he has to return products that were delivered by mistake. It's not bad shopping and making a mistake. You can change it. You bring the product back. You, make a, you check it before you leave the store. But you'll be, you know, if you're checking your products, that's fine. But to go into stores, even in our neighborhood, even to into uh, Pesach stores, and just grab the stuff off the shelf and throw it in the wagon, fine. Maybe you're safe. But when you come home, somewhere along the line, check out everything. Don't put it into your cabinets until you know 
that it really is kosher Pesach. And if you have a question, you're going to go get that booklet from the OU. So without further ado, I'm going to welcome our guest, Rabbi Nachum Rabinowitz from the OU. Thank you very much, Rabbi Wickler. It's really a um, privilege and a pleasure for me to join you. Um, I consider it, uh, you know, especially honored that three years running, I, I have this opportunity to, to join Rabbi Wickler in helping, um, you know, all the listeners out there prepare for Pesach. Pesach is such a special time. It's a man It's a time for, you know, for our redemption, for our freedom, um, and and we achieve that, believe it or not, by cleaning our homes, ridding our homes of chametz, ridding our kitchens and and the foods that we eat of chametz. Um, but really, that that's reflective of, of what's doing inside in our neshamas. That saar shebi isor, the um, what chametz represents, which is the uh, sometimes the ego, sometimes the the lust, or different uh, maladies that we have. Um, we have this opportunity to to really experience freedom from those things, and uh, and if, if we um, at the OU and Rabbi Wickler can um, can help Klal Yisrael as they prepare for Pesach, then it's really a, a special privilege for us. So once again, thank you. Um, Rabbi Wickler mentioned something, and I, I remember even as a, as a child a story um, very similar. Uh, someone went into a store. It wasn't a, an exclusive Pesach store, but it was a store that had a, a very special Pesach section. And they went to a brand of vegetable oil that they were familiar with that made special Pesach product. And they were buying in bulk. They bought six large jugs <laughs> of vegetable oil from this section. And, you know, they thought they were being careful. And they came home and they started preparing kugels and kugels and kugels. And someone realized that one of the jugs did not have Pesach on it. Mm-hmm. And they ended up calling the manufacturer and it was their, their Ashkenazim, and it was a kidneyous product. Uh. And unfortunately, whatever they prepared with that oil could not be used on their Pesach. So fortunately, it, it could be used afterwards. It could be used after <laughs> Pesach, correct. So it, it's, you know, we, we're, we're very spoiled today. Um, you know, any of us who are, you know, a couple of decades ago in America, it wasn't that easy to keep kosher. Then we didn't have all the stores. We certainly didn't have all these uh, mega right. kosher stores. Um, but the reality is that most stores do not have a heksher on the products. There are some on which the, the kashras actually takes responsibility for the products in the store. Most don't have that, certainly not um, stores with kosher, non-kosher, um, but especially now for Pesach, this is especially you know the case, because Pesach, it's very rare to find a store which is exclusively Pesach, Dick, and even then, who is taking responsibility for it? And, and I'll tell you further, even when people are taking responsibility for it, mistakes can happen. So as much as the kashrus agencies do and venture to do the best they can to ensure the kashrus and to ensure that consumers won't make mistakes, um, mistakes do happen. We're all human beings. Right. And uh, we, we really have to be very careful. And uh, Rabbi Wickler's suggestion is a great one. Check while you're in the store and check again when you're at home to make sure that nothing that shouldn't be in your, in your food um, ends up getting into your food. Before we go on to the Pesach issue, I want to mention one more thing that happened this week. I couldn't believe it. You know, I don't give hashgacha. I've never given hashgacha. I pride myself that I've never worked a day in Kashrus. I work in a magazine. I'm close with everybody in Kashrus. I uh, stick my head in wherever I can. I visit. But I've never given hashgacha. So it was really upsetting to find out that there's a, a place in our neighborhood where it's 100% trefa store. They sell uh, boar's head ham and whatever. Imagine whatever you imagine, all the chazarai, literally chazarai. And yet in that store, there's there are bagels that one 
person gives a shkacha and he says that those bagels are kosher. I don't want to question what, what, what is done, whether it's how it's prepared, how it's packaged. I don't know the details. I've never been in the store. But what's, but what's interesting is, you know, following, uh, he went ahead as far as to say that the cheeses in the store are kosher and there's a knife there that you could go into the store, buy the bagels, have them put a cheese sandwich together for you, and you could go out and everything is fine. Uh, I told him that that's absolutely not acceptable. I don't think that even in our communities where they do have bagels sold in non-kosher places under certain circumstances and certain needs, and, but in our neighborhood, it's absolutely unnecessary and inappropriate. In addition, to go ahead and say that these things in the store that are treif, we don't use, but you could use the ones that are kosher in the store and that that knife is designated only to be used for kosher by somebody who is not shomer Torah and mitzvahs, may not even be Jewish, it's bizarre. And I, I told him this. Yet, I got a call that people are saying that I, give, I, give, I told them that this is acceptable. So I could tell you publicly now, if you run into such a store, it's not from me. And you see how things get taken out of here. I told the man it shouldn't be done, and it ended up that uh, people were saying that I said it's acceptable. So I'm not going to identify the rabbi, not going to identify the store. But if you run into that store and you see that, you say, oh, that's what Rabbi Wickler meant, and absolutely not acceptable at all. So that had nothing to do with Pesach. I just wanted to get off my chest. But anyway, going back to uh, Pesach, can you just tell a few new things that, are in, uh, that we should know about for Pesach this year from the OU? Okay, there, there is one thing which is, which is new, which um, has uh, had a lot of controversy over the last number of years. And the OU has changed its, its position, or I should say they adopted a position where they did not have one previously, and that's with respect to quinoa. Quinoa, for the last number of years, became popular year-round. It's a very healthy product, and it's, uh, you know, it's considered a nutritional powerhouse uh, of a food. And many people asked, is this permissible for Pesach? And... I would say this is probably the most frequently que- um, question, um, frequently asked question at the OU, both on the websites and in various forums and seminars and the like. The OU did not have a position on quinoa, and the reason for that primarily is that amongst the poskim of the OU, Rabbi Israel Belsky and Rabbi Herschel Schachter, there was a difference of opinion as to what the position of the OU should be. Now, quinoa is what we call a new world crop. It's something that did not exist in uh, the world that the Jews lived in previously. It was not from Europe. It wasn't even from North America. It wasn't from Asia. This is a food which is grown in the Andes Mountains, which is in South America. It's in countries like Bolivia, countries like Peru. And it was primarily those the tribal um, groups that lived in those areas grew this crop and, and they used to eat it. It was a staple of their diet. Now, it was discovered as become a, the world has become a lot smaller and products are sold and, and uh, traded all over the world. And the properties of this quinoa, I think even the United States Congress or the UN actually said it was you know, such a, a, a beneficial food that they said it was the product of the year or the crop of the year um, at the UN, whatever that's worth. And the question then is, how do we view that? Kashrus-wise, year-round, it's not a difficult product to certify or accept. But the question for Pesach was this. Now, kidney is, is something which is, let's identify it, it's, it's a minog. 
It's a it's a well-established minute which only for the Ashkenazim. Only for Ashkenazim. Svardim can feel safe now. They can relax. They can have the kinma with Ashkacha, or they can check it themselves, or whatever they have to do if they ask the rov. But we're talking about Ashkenazim. Absolutely. So this this dates back to Rishonim. This mana Rishonim, there already was mentioned this concept of kidneys that there are certain foodstuffs which are not chametz, which the Gemara does not identify as chametz, nonetheless were prohibited by certain communities, Ashkenazic communities. Uh, the Beis Yosef, even uh, Beis Yosef, who, uh, the, the Bala Shulchan Aruch, who was a he says that, uh, you know, he, he looked askance at this minig and he says no one would be careful about this except for the Ashkenazim. So he, he clearly <laughs> understood and recognized that the Ashkenazim adopted this, but amongst other groups this was not adopted. Now there are two basic reasons given for why kidneys should be prohibited. And the two reasons are, number one, people may confuse. These are grain-like substances. They can be used as chametz or as the grains from which chametz come would be used. They're similar to wheat, they're similar to barley, you can bake them in cakes, you can bake them into bread, you can make a porridge out of it, a cereal out of it. And because they have similar properties, if we were to allow people to use this on Pesach, people would confuse and ultimately come to eat chametz on Pesach. So that's why they made this takana or this, this minag adopted this chumrah. There's another reason which is given, is that is when crops are grown close to one another, they're handled with one another, if you have wheat growing next to, let's say, corn, something like that, there may be a concern of, cr- of cross-contamination, that some wheat kernels, and we have to realize chametz is something which is not bottle. Usually a small amount of, a, of something which is prohibited is nullified in a much greater amount of, of something which is permitted. That's not the case on Pesach. So even a small wheat kernel, a few small wheat kernels, would they become mixed into something like corn, that would affect the whole product. So Chazal, the Rishonim and Achronim adopted this, this chumr, this stringency. Now, Rav Moshe Feinstein, in Igris Moshe, has a tshuva, and he, descri- he talks about peanuts. And peanuts is, was also an issue of controversy. There were different men hug him in Europe about whether he used peanuts or not. Right. So Rav Moshe, who came from Lithuania and, and Belarus, they they Belarus he uh, says that in, in the Minag, in his areas mm-hmm. where he came from, they did use peanuts. And he says, essentially, let's, let's, let's realize... Peanuts, or any kidneys, is really a minig, and it's really based on minig. So if there's a minig, if there's a well-established minig to forbid something, then it's forbidden. If it's not, then there's no reason for us to start creating new um, stringencies, new minhagim, about things which our parents and grandparents and ancestors did not have. So based on that, one would think that you can take any new crop, any new item, that wasn't was, known at the time, right. even though this is a very old thing. It was 3,000 years old by the Aztecs, but it wasn't known by probably by the, by the Gaonim in time. Of the, uh, it certainly kidneys. wasn't in Jewish communities. Right. Didn't it, they didn't have the, the... So that being the case, but let, let's take a look in history. There are different types of foods that they didn't have. They didn't have tapioca. They didn't have potatoes. That's the big one. And then potatoes <laughs> is one that, that it's not so simple. We all just, you know, we're expecting to be able right. to eat plenty of potato right. products. Absolutely. Potato starch, potato this, potato that. But right. reality, some people raise big, uh, their eyebrows at potatoes right. on Pesach. Yeah. Right. And the truth is corn. Right. Corn is also a new world. Right. It's been, it's been in the, <laughs> not so new anymore, but it, it was something that did not Didn't exist, exist at that time for, for us, no. Right. So the question is, where do you, how do you address these new items? The fact is, Tapioca is something which is widely used as not considered kidneys. 
potatoes, which is already discussed at, at length, mm-hmm. is something which is not considered kidneyous, whereas corn is something which is widely, I mean, completely accepted as kidneyous. So how do, you, how do you address that? So what happened essentially was, in each generation, the, the Rabbanim, the postkim of that generation, looked at each new item, and they weighed it for its qualities and uh, based on the needs and, and, and the, you know, the way they viewed the usage of that material. And they said it fell in one side or the other side, mm-hmm. either it was prohibited or was permitted. Like I said, tapioca potatoes are widely used. Something like peanuts was an issue of debate. I'll mention something else which is debated. That's cottonseed. Right. Cottonseed is really not a food product. Um, but what they found was that if you take the oil, the seed, you can. It's used to make. You know, cotton is used as a material for for clothing. But what they found is that you take. You can extract oil from the seeds. Now, how do you view that? Because it's seed, so it, is it similar to beans and legumes and? The other cotton seeds? was here, and we were using right. the cotton for right. the clothes. Right. But we weren't using it for the food. For, right. So it was never it was never addressed as a food item because it wasn't used for food purposes until recently. So how do you how do you view that? And. The, the, there are different opinions on that. The fact is, in, in the United States, um, although interestingly, apparently, Ramosha Feinstein. That, isn't that amazing? <laughs> you have he, to tell the people right. that. Yeah, tell them. Tell right. them. He, he was not in favor <laughs> of, uh, of using cotton Which seed seems oil. to be a, a contradiction a little bit to what, what you're quoting from the Chuva, which is that's one of the uh, sort of un- imponderables. Although yeah. it, it was mentioned earlier. This yeah. is something which was mentioned earlier. And many other abundant and, and the widely accepted minhag. In the United States, is to use cottonseed oil. Although in Israel, right. a lot of these, a lot of these things, the quinoa and the cottonseed, most of the people don't use right. in that in, in right. Israel. Right. So just to to, to 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 try to make a long long story a little bit shorter, <laughs> when we come <laughs> to the quinoa, story for sure. Right. So the, we had the two rabbanim, uh, the poskim of the OU, Rabbi, Rabbi Herschel Shechter and Rabbi Yisrael Belsky, who were on different opinions about this. Rabbi Belsky said he felt that quinoa is something which number one is used sim- in a similar way to grains. So therefore, the one concern that we mentioned is that people might confuse, if they were to eat quinoa product, they would end up, Khalila eating something which was chametz. And also, there were reports that came into us that they sometimes used to dry barley together with quinoa. And certainly, the packing plants, where they receive the bulk quinoa, and where mm-hmm. they pack it into smaller containers, which are then sold retail, those were commonly used for grain. So there was this, perhaps this concern of cross-contamination. So he fell on the side, Rabelsky, although he didn't say that it was usser, he didn't, that was no, not his position. No, he didn't say it that way, he, but he, he did point out that it has all the conditions. Right. It, it, it's a, it's a, it, it was a main kind of grain that was used in the country where it was found. It was grown nearby. It could be mixed with the five grains. Uh, it's collected and processed in the same way in the same plants. And, and it's cooked into Syrian breads. I even brought with me today to show you. I mean, I've okay. seen these things, but there's some luscious cakes that I have that are made out of quinoa. There are chocolate cakes, if anybody's interested. I have it like it's like an oatmeal cookie. It's used here. You can use it with together with. Uh, I see the, the boards are writing up. We got to be fair. We got to <laughs> okay. be fair. So the I'll, people I'll, are waiting. Okay. So look, okay. bottom, I'll try, line. I'll try to bottom, bottom line. Bottom, bottom line. Bottom line. That's a phone call from Psakofar by Elisha Eliashiv. If you want to pick it up, if you have. What? I, what? I, I About the quinoa. Who? Who, who was it? Somebody just okay, but right now we're finishing okay. this topic. Okay. okay. So, so tell me, us what the OU is okay, doing. So, <laughs> so the OU, the OU, basically, we did the a lot. The last year when it came right. out with uh, the OU Hushkoffer. investigated. The OU yeah. sent 
to the, all the major growing areas mm-hmm. of quinoa, which are both in Peru and Bolivia. There's a small amount in Ecuador as well. Um, they went to all these areas. They found, number one, that the concern of cross-contamination in the fields is not really a concern. They do not grow quinoa together with other grains. Mm-hmm. So that was not an issue. The only area of cross-contamination is much, much later the when the product is, is bagged or it's, is mm-hmm. put into smaller containers. So that's, that's, that's the first control. Thing, right? The other fo- issue they found is that to really establish the common usage of a material such as quinoa, you can't really look at what people who are finding the qualities of quinoa are are discovering and, and people... How are, they're going to use how it. They're gonna start no, but using even the it Aztecs must have used it. No, in the f- no they didn't no. use it in that Apparently way. Apparently the Aztecs, and this, the Arkham actually went to these communities. Really? And these communities haven't changed much in, in many hundreds of years. Yeah. They found that it's not used as a grain. Really? It's used very commonly in, 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 in as a staple in, in many, many foods, but it wasn't really used as a grain. They did wow. not prepare cakes. Wow. So based on this information, I don't know that Rav Belsky has, you know, is advising people or recommending personally that people should use quinoa, but the OU, the consensus of the OU, Rabbi Ginnak, with Rabbi Shechter, with Rav Belsky, all felt that it was appropriate for the OU to give a to hashkocha. Give a hashkocha. And this is, of course, like I mentioned, only when there's special supervision throughout the process to ensure that there's no cross-contamination, right. so there's no grain. This, this is basically the I, OU I would love to discuss with you all the new things in the <laughs> OU, but I see the time. I mean, they're going to they're gonna shoot us, but there's so many people waiting already. Okay. We'll come back, maybe we'll have a few minutes later okay. to go further on other issues. Thank you very much. Go ahead, Yaron Kashus on the air. Can we help you? Yes, I work with Nassim Sikon. I just called this morning because I saw that the KJ also came through with Kinwa. They said it's okay this year with rabbinical supervision. I got on the phone, I called him Nachem Eisenstein, who's one of the three closest Talmud in Yasha, the Rav Maladafna. He told me he specifically showed the bag and the item to Yashev, and actually he said he took four people in, he took, he took people in from the OU, and he will never do it again, because Rav Yashev told him no, because people will get mixed up. Anything that even looks like a grain, and he told me, Bizarre Lush, and they asked three other shells, not in the... Rabbi Cohen, you're and Rabbi Yashiv said, Rabbi Yashiv said it, people are going to get confused. Anything that even looks like a grain is an exera. Okay. Thank you very much for the call. We appreciate it. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, <laughs> Rabbi Yashiv can't talk about it now, but the, uh, obviously we, uh, there are differences of opinion. We mentioned earlier that in Israel they don't use quinoa. Uh, I think it's pretty across the board. But uh, in the States, I mean, uh, the Star K was the first one to start giving hashkocha for quinoa, not as a Sephardic hashkocha, uh, because it gives Sephardic hashkocha also, but to give it is for the general populace, and also described very much how they go through the process. Go ahead, with next caller, you're on the air. Kashrus on the air. Can we help you? Yeah, hello. Go ahead. I have a question. I have a son who's allergic to dairy, and um, mm-hmm. I'm Sephardic, so we do eat kidneys. Is there a problem with the foodie cream cheese? The food is in a different company now. We're not OU. Right. So, yeah, so I, we really hope we can answer. Yeah. It's very hard to recommend a product like that without doing research in it. And, and the, I'll mention something else. The, the OU has expanded. We started it, it last year. The, what what's, we call an OU kidney Tashkocha. Right. And what we found is, unfortunately, that Rav Belsky and Rav Schechter actually encouraged us very much to go into this. We had for many years been... Um, approving products, industrial products, which are used mm. by companies to make kidneys products. And we felt that there was a need for this because, you know, Svardim certainly should and, and can eat kidneys. And it's not just Svardim. I'm getting calls by a lot of people who uh, that have young children and they have to have certain kinds of kidneys foods. 
I have this young this man called me today or something was yesterday, whatever it was, and he said I have to get a is going to get a product from Israel because in Israel there are a lot of Sephardic uh, people right. and they do make kidneys products kosher Pesach, but it's a, but really it would be a help if a lot more products right. were available here. So in, in this particular case, I I would tell you you know tofuti products are, are under the chafke. Um right. You can try calling the chafke and ask them, but my own you know experience is they would have to do a major research project to determine that this product is really chametz. In, in other words, if if they were giving the hashkocha saying it's kafke kosher pesach, that's one thing. But for you to decide by reading ingredients is definitely not appropriate, and we couldn't possibly answer because we don't give the hashkocha on that company. And uh, in most cases, it's like Rabbi Rabinowitz says it. It probably won't come out to be squeaky clean. Uh, the, those lists that are propagated at pace of time for Svardim are absolutely worthless. I fought against that for years and years. They are put on those things that are, things that you don't even have a shkacha or things that that uh, I'm talking about all year round or things that I wouldn't recommend anybody to use even if it has some kind of weak shkacha. And you're finding these lists where they're handing it out. It's absolutely ridiculous. We mentioned the magazine of the year to watch out for those so those lists. And we su- suggest that any person who has needs, special needs, could consult uh, myself, other people will go look into, you know, we'll call the Kashrut Agency, find out something's needed, like we t- were talking with this young man who called today. But but it, when it's, if it's just a question of you want to get some Nash food, there's so much available without going into trying to figure out whether or not the product is really kosher or pesach. And you cannot do it by reading the ingredients, absolutely not. Right. I'll, I'll just mention the Can ingredient. I ask a question on the OU? What about smart balance, like the spread? When you're talking about a a spread, which is is basically a margarine-like oil-based product, so there there are a number of issues with it. Uh, You have, of course, the the oil. In most cases, at least in this country, you're not going to have real hummets in the oil itself. However, they do add things like citric acid to oil products. Citric acid can be, it doesn't have to be, but it can be actual hummets. In addition, margarines and these spreads will have flavors. Now, flavors have um, carriers such as alcohol extractions, which are based on alcohol. They have other materials which can be actual hummets. So, once again, an equipment. Yeah. Uh, 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 you would not. It's not one of your products that you would say it can be used for Pesach, even no. by Svadi. No. No. no, it's the OU does not stand behind that in any way for Pesach. That's not the way we should be going. Right. We should be following what is available to us with proper hashkocha. And there's Baruch Hashem now. There are opportunities for the Svadim, increased opportunities. The Star K has a separate thing called Star S, and the OU has OU Kitniot, and there definitely are opportunities for Pesach. There's no reason to go to these uh, this length of trying to analyze from the outside of a package whether or not something is kosher or Pesach. Right. There is in the Pesach guide, the OU's Pesach guide, there is a section which is it's the yellow section this year, products which are approved by the OU for Pesach even though they don't have an OUP on them. And this is a, you know, an extensive list. Many products are very simple. There is also an area called infant formula, nutritional, and dietary supplements. This particular product, there are, for example, when you're looking for dairy-free, you have soy milk, almond milk, and rice milk. So there's a group of products that the OU is recommending for Pesach. Even not, though? N- not for everyone. Yeah. It's recommending for those people, such as a child that has a, has a dairy issue, 
um, cannot have dairy, they cannot tolerate dairy. So we're recommending, these are products that um, we've, we've researched and we feel they're appropriate to, to approve for cholim, for people who are sick, for young children, um, particularly when they, they don't have alternatives. And uh, those products can be found within the, the OU's uh, Pesach Guide. Let, let me just do a, advise, advise our listeners to call 718-683-5858 if you'd like to speak to Rabbi Nachum Rabinowitz from the OU about Pesach issues. Uh, next caller. Thank you. Okay, next caller. Go ahead. You're on Kashmir on the air. Can we help you? Yes. I just wanted to let everyone know that I did research soy cheese a few years ago because I have some very allergic children, and I was told that soy does not make cheeses naturally as milk does and the things that they use to make the soy cheeses are chametz and therefore soy cheese is chametz and not kidneys. That, that's very possible. You, you have to realize when you're, you're, you're starting with uh, certain cultures or you're starting with uh, enzymes which are often used in these types of products, the many times they are grown on chametz basis. And uh, um, so since they're, they're grown on chametz and they're what we call a maimed, they, they materially change the product. Even if they're used in very small amounts, they're not necessarily will be bittle. And those finished goods can, can be considered chametz, even if the, the major ingredients are not chametz stick. Right, and also all the enriched soy milk, a lot of what they're enriched with is chametz. So there, actually, for example, there is a product which you'll, you'll notice it has oat in the ingredient listing. Um, the, the ones that are on the OU's list, we have researched and do not contain chametz. So that, that you know, if, if it's on the list, the, that the OU, there are some, you have to be very, you know, careful to choose only the products that we're, we're recommending. And even then, we're, we're, the, we're not recommending them for, for, you know, any person. We're recommending them for people who really have a need to, to have such a product. Rabbi so you want to tell everybody who's listening how they can get this booklet or how they can tie into it over the Internet? OUPassover.org has uh, direct links. This can be opened up on the web, and you can leaf through the pages. You can, um, it's actually divided as the general Pesach guide, and then, which has articles, and then there's the uh, consumer guide, which has the lists of products that the OU is recommending. And if they can want to get a copy, is there any way they can still get a copy? Or that's um, a the, the, the OU published, I think, over 100,000 copies. 100,000. But, but yeah. I think they're all, they're they're all much gone. All, all gone. You may find them here and there. but I uh, just got one today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is something you have to, you have to order in advance. And, and they're, yeah. they're, um, you know, we do print quite a few copies of them. Wow. But uh, nonetheless, they do go very quickly. So I'm not sure if there's – you can try calling the OU, but I'm not sure if that But you can it download it you could, yeah. and you can look at it online itself. Very Absolutely. good. Excellent. That's OUPassover.org. Correct. Okay, go ahead. Then you're on cautious on the air. Can you help? Can we help you? Yes. Go ahead. Hello. I would like to know that Similac soy isomil uh, with hexor of oil is it kosher for Pesach? Isomil is something which is recommended for Pesach. It clearly is a kidneyos product, but uh, it is recommended. Um, it's on our list. Isomil uh, products. Um, we do recommend if one has a choice between the powdered version or the liquid version, we do recommend that you choose the liquid version for Pesach. Wow. You want to give us a little oh, understanding? The, the, <laughs> the reason is that if there is any possibility that there's anything in there that would be problematic, um, if it's in a liquid version, there certainly will be nullification before Pesach. Uh-huh. Okay. So that's generally, for these types of products, when a, a liquid version is available, we do recommend the liquid version. Okay, thank you very much. Next caller, please. Go ahead. Yvonne Kashis on the air with Rabbi Yosef Wickler and Rabbi Nachum Rabinowitz. Go ahead, please. Hi, I'm calling about three products. 
um, that beer and OU that um, Costco sells, and I wanted to know if they're good for Pesach. One of them is the um, Atlantic Salmon, the skinless, boneless, boneless Atlantic Salmon. We mean from the uh, Costco name? Yeah. No, it's Kirkland. Yeah, Kirkland. Kirkland, Kirkland okay. is the brand of Costco. The, those products actually appear in our yellow section of the Pesach Guide. Those products are recommended for Pesach. Um, I will mention just one distinction. There are two recommended products. One of them is, like you said, the Atlantic salmon, and the other one is the wild salmon. And there's one very small distinction. The wild salmon, we recommend washing before using. Uh, However, the, the Atlantic salmon can be used without washing. But they're both recommended for Pesach. They, I believe they're, they're a frozen product. And yes, uh, yes they, they are recommended in our house. And the reason okay. why they, it has to be washed is because there's, uh, there's a possibility that, they, that there's a glaze with a small kidneys yeah. product. Just simple washing of the product is effective. Right. I have one more question. What about the strawberries, the Kirkland strawberries? And, and the other product is blueberries, but not by the Kirkland name. The name is Win, um, Weinman, I think. W-Y-Y-Man. Wyman, yeah. Are those two products good? We're checking it up right now. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I don't believe that we are recommending frozen fruits and uh, vegetables without a special ashkocha. And the reason for that is that the packing plants, um, they do a blanching process. Right. They also, some of them handle actual hummets. Uh -huh. They have some pasta products right, in these plants. Right, right. So these are the types of products that... Uh, we would not recommend without special ashkocha for Pesach. Okay. Uh -huh. And one other question. With, with the salmon, I know I've called you in the past, and they said it was good. Do I have to check every year, or I sure. assume <laughs> I do have to check every year? Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's a good idea to check. Because the, okay. the things do change. You'd be surprised what occurs in one year. <laughs> okay. huh? Thank you for your call. Okay, thank you. Have a good, okay, Hi. next caller. You're on Kasha on the air. Can we help you? Go ahead. You're on the air. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think there's some wheel. Okay, Yvonne Kosh is on the air. Can we help you? Yes, hi. Uh, my question is, um, if you have products at home that are not chametz, like sugar, um, dried beans, um, so, um, I don't know, like canned vegetables, could I just put it in a, in a cupboard and just mark it, not kasher the Pesach? Of course. Hundred percent, hundred percent, no problem at all. But you, but if you're Svadiyah, some of these things can be used. <laughs> no, 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 I don't check. I, I like. I just buy the big ones that say Kasha the Pesach. Very good, very good. Okay. Good choice. Thank you. Go ahead. You're on Kasha's on the air. Can we help you? Go ahead, Hello? please. Yes, you're on the air. Yes, I'd like to know. Um, is are you uh, careful if the establishments under their under their supervision if they it, to make sure. Are they allowed to keep kidneys without, without in their in their premises if they don't use it? Oh, anybody can keep kidneys in the presence in the in the premises they don't use it. I mean, well, like, obviously you want to. There who say there are paiskim who say that you should sell it with the chametz if it doesn't have a hechsher for pesach. I, I don't know what that what those paiskim are saying, but the but the halacha is not that way. I mean, if you heard if you heard it from a paisik yourself, I could, three, I, I could I could bring you in Ritman's Benish Chai. And um, and then Well, I would love to see them, but the but the uh, and I'm I'm not questioning that you're quoting it correctly, but uh, that that's not the accepted uh, way of doing things. And if you want to, so fine. If you want to, if you want it, they're going to secure it. They're not going to leave it lying around with everything else. 
Um, what about uh, why is it? You know, does it, it could be? A, is it a covet? No, I, I think it's the responsibility of any hacksher. And I, you mentioned what what premises or what establishments are under the OU. The OU does not have very many that establishments open, that, open that, are, that are kosher Pesach. We have yeah, a few. We have some hospitals. We have uh, a few restaurants right. that are open on Pesach. They have, they have, I think there's the one hotel. Sadarim, sadarim. Um, it's interesting. Many caterers, oh. many caterers that are under the OU all year do not have the OU for Pesach. And they say, we can't have the OU for it's Pesach. It's too tough. It's just, it's too difficult for them. But certainly, I, I can, you know, when you eat in an establishment, um, or any food service uh, you know, type of uh, um, s- products, y- Pesach especially so, you want to make sure that there are responsible people who who are in charge of every aspect of the hashkacha from from start to finish, and you know obviously if they have products in the um, you know in, on the premises which are which are not kosher Pesach and should not be used in their, their Pesach products, those need to be secured in a way that they could not secured in any way come to come right, to the product. The, yeah. This gentleman wants yeah. to suggest that we should sell our kidneys with the chametz. I, that's I, not I'm, the trend. That's not, not what I've, not, been, how I, I've learned yeah. halacha. I, I, I'm not aware. Kidneys, for example, well, in the Shulchan Aruch talks about kidneys being used for non-food yeah, for purposes, candles. for candles, the Shulchan Aruch talks well, you about. have children. Right, and it's, it's used for chaylim, it's used for, for ketanim, um, kidneys, I mean, you know, we're makbid typically for, for kalim. We don't use the same kalim for kidneys um, and, uh, and for, for Pesach, for those people who avoid kidneys. But uh, you know, to, to go that far and to sell, I'm not sure what they're referring to. Maybe they're referring to well, something which has a shash chametz, perhaps. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not questioning. Can I give you, this, I'm can I give you the exact sources? I could actually give it to you. By all means. By all means. If, you know what? Maybe it should be emailed into us. And uh, and you know we'll we'll try to look into it. Absolutely. Do you have a number? Because I don't have email. Um, is there a text? I can text it. You want to text it now? Well, I, 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 know. I can text it. Yeah. You can text it to uh, three four seven nine two seven eight three nine eight. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Okay, you're on cautious on the air. Oh, we lost him. Okay, you're on cautious on the air. Go ahead. Go ahead, you're on the air. With, with Rabbi Yosef Wickler and uh, Rabbi Nachum Rabinowitz. Hello? They're not there. I don't know. Okay. Nisim, you want to give us somebody? There's nobody there. Hello? Yes, go ahead. You're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah. Is the kosher innovations... Shabbos toothwash kosher for Pesach. Kosher Innovation Shabbos. Is, is that you have an OU on that? And I, I, I think the product is OU certified. It is not in our Pesach guide. I don't know if it's kosher for Pesach or if it's been researched for Pesach. Um, I would suggest just as if you want to use that product particularly, um, try calling up the manufacturer if they have and a number Canada, to reach and ask them if they if they have Pesach approval from anybody. And I would ask also, whenever you ask those types of questions, ask them to, to provide something in writing yeah. um, f- from the Rav Machsher that recommends the product for Pesach. Typically, um, this is also something which is addressed in the Pesach guide. When it comes to um, you know most soaps and detergents and all those types of things, um, 
the OU does not believe that uh, these things require um, something that goes, approval. In, the mouth. Something goes right. in the mouth but is those different. right oral things such as mouthwash and toothpaste um, there's actually there are differences of opinion and this is not just for Pesach this is year round um, those things which you're, you prefer one brand over another because you like the flavor so they clearly have flavors in them those are the types of products that might require hashkocha. So, you know, speak to your Rabbanim um, for your individual psak, um, but the OU, um, I, I certainly, you know, recommend that you look for products which have Pesach approval. There are, for toothpaste, um, Tom's of Maine makes two products. I think it's a spearmint um, and, I forgot the other, um, uh, peppermint, I think, peppermint and spearmint. Those two toothpaste products the OU does recommend for Pesach. Um, also, there are other brands. There are other many companies yeah. today that make kosher paste toothpaste. You can have to just have to get. That's the only thing you have to do is to get used to uh, a change for toothpaste for Pesach, and you're getting off pretty easy <laughs> with all the work that everybody does for Pesach. And the way uh, Pesach used to be before, without uh, everything available, I think that if that's all you have to give up is your toothpaste and take a different one. You have to do it. That's all. <laughs> How old are you? Ten. Ten. And which yeshiva? Okay, thank you very much for calling in. Go ahead, Nisim. Okay, another call. You're on Kasha Sandia. Can we help you? I think they're off. You're on Kasha Yes, you're on the air. Go ahead. Yes, I'd like to know, is Nutran usable in Pesach? It's liquid nutrition to go into a feeding tube. Um, we're checking it up now if we can. Okay. Is it a no you product? Nutrin is, yes. Yeah. Nutrin yeah. is something yeah. which is recommended for Pesach. It is recommended yeah. for yes. Pesach. Yes. Thank yes, you so is. much. Yeah. You're certainly welcome. Chag Kaj Vesameach. Nisa, we need another call unless they want to ask more questions. Okay. If you want to call in, the, uh, the phone lines are, there's a few lines free, 718-683-5858, to speak to Rabbi Yosef Wickler, Kasha's Magazine, or to Nachum Rabinowitz from the OU regarding Pesach products. Uh, kosher Pesach products could be OU, could be anything else. You have a question on products for Pesach. Go ahead. Nisim? Okay. You're on the air. Go ahead, please. Hello? Yes, go ahead. My question is about ground flaxseed for a child who's allergic to egg, and it's used to substitute for eggs. Do you know you anything about flaxseed? Do you, in other words, there is no ashkach on it all year round, you're saying. Right. Uh, oh, actually, there is something, a K with a line under it. That, but, that, um, that, that K with a line under it is Rabbi Teichman, Avraham Teichman, from Los Angeles, or at least it should be, and he's accessible. Uh, I don't have his telephone number here, but you can look it up. Avram Teichman, T-E-I-C-H-M-A-N. He's the Rav of the Agudas Yisrael of uh, Los Angeles, and uh, he'll be able if you he'll be able to answer you and let you know what is involved in that flaxseed. If there's anything else added to it, what his concerns are, he should be able to answer that question for you. Okay, thank you so much. Go ahead. You're on Kashrus on the air. Can I help you? Go yes, ahead, hello? please. Yes, you're on the air. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, can I um, get some more clearance? Uh, I mean, to get a clear picture of what the story was. The self-cleaned oven and the insert. Is it necessary? Is it not necessary? Is self-clean sufficient? Um, I think from the OU and from uh, uh, the other organizations, he asked. He got the answer that uh, self-clean oven is good enough. 
And uh, when you ask uh, local urbanum, they claim that you need an internet. It's not good enough. What is the what is the problem? And then and uh, you okay. There is a section in the in the OU's Pesach guide called the Kashering Primer, and what that describes is the basic principles of kashering. It it has a checklist for what is necessary, and it also has a graphical. Um, format, That's unbelievable. I which, see it now. I've never uh, seen that before. Right, which, which goes through the various um, you know, parts of your kitchen and, and describes briefly how one goes about koshering them. The OU's position is that a self-cleaning oven, which reaches temperatures of 850 degrees Fahrenheit, which is typical for, for self-cleaning ovens, um, one needs to clean the surfaces. It's very important to, to, to get the, especially the extremities, when the, the doors where the windows are, um, to, you know, to use easy off, make sure they're very clean. Um, and then one can, um, can run it through a cycle. And, um, and then after that, one can use it. Um, there are differences of opinion, whether, you know, a Libun Gomor, which 850 degrees would constitute, or maybe even less than that, if you don't have a self-cleaning oven, you know, speak to your, your individual Rav to, to find out the Pesach of what to do. But if you have um, typically, the, the inserts are used by those who don't have self-cleaning ovens. Those who do have self-cleaning ovens, as long as these precautions are taken, um, should be able to kosher their ovens completely and then use the ovens um, for Pesach. I'd like to add just a few points there to what Rabbi Rabinowitz mentioned. Uh, my Rabbi was Rosh Zim in Zatzal, and he definitely believed in self-cleaning. Uh, and if somebody has self-cleaning oven, then even whatever they do inside to kosher by turning it on to 500 or 550 for as high as it can go for an hour or two hours. But uh, he still he wanted you to take the racks and put them into a self-cleaning oven because that would kosher the racks. When you have a, a self-cleaning oven, you're koshering everything. But there is a technical problem sometimes with the self-cleaning. Even though it'd be nice to believe that everybody cleans it perfectly, a lot of times people don't clean it perfectly, especially some people who try to get lazy and they don't clean it very much at all. And in that case, you're going to have ashes and you're going to have things that will be burnt that are going to still be there. And then the preferable thing to do is not to put it through one cycle alone, but if you have a lot ashes and stuff like that that's in there they really should put it through a second time or at least a one and a half times and this way you're going to get something working directly on the uh, the oven walls. I want to just point out what my Rebbe Zatzal said which is that really we don't need to kosher the oven in that sense because uh, we, we really are just trying to uh, uh, make sure that the oven is a place it's the rack where we actually cook on, and that's what m- needs more attention. Uh, so we, the racks should be designated as milchis parva fleshiks, whichever they are, and you have to concern yourself that that's what they are, milchis fleshiks or parva. As far as the, ra- the oven itself, it's just a place in which you cook, and there's heat inside there. Of course, there could be something going into the top, and if you have your uh, uncovered pot, it's a zaya cycle, we'll go up and take it down again, things like that or it's a spillage we have to be concerned about. But basically, uh, when either if you don't have a self-cleaning oven, if you turn your oven up to 550 and you go it for about, a, about an hour and a half, you're going to be fine. But it should be 100% clean before and especially there because you're not, you're not going to have the benefit of the self-cleaning to burn it all off. So that, that's really basically how you deal with the oven. And thank you very much for the call. Well, I'm sorry, I'm yeah, go ahead. In many bottom say that uh, first the temperatures don't go up as high as they used to because of a fire hazard. Companies uh, program that shouldn't go up. That's the problem. The newer ones, yes. The newer ones, yeah. yeah. 
And 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 they claim that this whole thing, the, the South Queen is now like a skill. The skill is it's better to have a little answer back. Well, is that yeah. like a, a, a like, is there an opinion or? I, I mean, I, do are you familiar with some that don't go up high enough, uh, Rabbi Rinowitz? I've um, heard it, but I yeah. haven't. I, it, I don't it's know possible. The details. I, I know that um, the, particularly in the back, what, what happens is that usually the thermostats are in the back of the oven, and some of these thermostats are not designed for very high temperatures. And when you go in with a blowtorch, some people can do damage to their own. No, we're not suggesting a blowtorch, right. but he's, right. that we, we're right. he's suggesting an insert. <laughs> right. But what we're asking about, the, yeah. does it hit, hit the eight feet all, or, or I do think all I, of them? I be, I, I, again, I, I don't know all the latest models. Right. Um, you probably want to talk to somebody who's in this... Uh, um, you know, it, I it, hate to it, say, but because <laughs> Rabbi Binowitz is sitting here, I wouldn't want to say it too loud. But, but the Star K is very, works very closely with a lot of uh, organiz- with a lot of uh, companies that make ovens that they're giving hashkacha to a number of them, and their number is four one zero four eight four. Four one one zero. I hope I don't get in trouble for saying that. In front not, of at <laughs> not at all. Not at all. They're a wonderful yeah. resource. 410-484-4110. Uh, they would be a good resource for yeah. you. Or there are other people that I happen to know very well who have information. If you want to contact us, we'll help you. But uh, yes, if there if there is a question about whether you're hitting the 850, I would agree that you have to, uh, cons- you have to consider uh, another possibility. But you have to remember, it's not so many years there were these self-cleaning ovens. Before that, we had the ovens that didn't go past 550. And that was what we used to kosher. And all Rabbanim that I know of permitted that. Now, again, was there an idea of using inserts? Yes, many people did start to use inserts. But a requirement, as my Rebbe Zatzal of Rav Zimmon did not taught that you don't have to have an insert. If you want to have it, it's certainly a heater, etc. But it's certainly not necessary at all because you don't cook on the thing. He's, his main concern, though, was, this, was, this is a, a classic issue, is that the glass in the front of the door, the glass door there, uh, the door of the oven, that is something that you really have to be very careful because there you do come in contact with the wall. A lot of times things touch there or spill there, and that's definitely an area where you want to put on. uh, We have uh, some... uh, tin foil on there, or you want to do something to protect that, and also you want to make sure that that's 100% kosher to the best ability, because there you do very often come in contact. But requirement of, a, of an insert is definitely not, it, it may be some rabbinim is suggesting it, but it's definitely not a requirement. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. You're certainly welcome. Okay, we have a couple minutes left. Let's go. Next caller. Go. You're on kosher on the air with Rabbi Nochem Rabinowitz. Go ahead. Hello? Yes, go ahead. You're on the air. Yeah, hi. A quick question. I'm, not, I'm always confused when I want to buy mascara for um, Pesach um, makeup, and I wasn't sure if um, Lancome mascara is okay, definitive. The OU's position is that mascara um, can be used without any, um, you know, any, any other uh, uh, qualification. Um, just one should not ingest Mascara or any other makeup. And the shiles of, of Yom Tov and Shabbos. Right. By, by <laughs> talking about kashras, that we've also printed that, and that is definitely the, the halacha that has not changed, even though there are companies that are, that are, that are promoting uh, kosher Pesach, etc. Uh-huh. But it, 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 you know, the thing to watch out for is the lips. Because right. the lips are, are something where you drink and you eat and things can get into food. But the rest of the, the face, uh, you know, aside, it, 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 it does, has a different set of dinner. Right. I, just, I just want to mention we're talking about non-food items. Um, many people I know consult lists of medicines and ask Correct. all kinds of questions about medicines. And 
there are some people who have gone out of their way to change medications, people with heart issues and other serious um, you know, con- um, medical concerns, and they switch medications because they want to avoid you know, some kind of an issue, some kind of a, a shash or a rochak of chametz, and people have put their lives literally into sakana for doing so. So definitely, without consulting a doctor, realize if you have a, medic- a prescription for medication and it's working for you, it's a, it's, a, it's a big balancing act to switch to another medication. Even for children, children, especially infants, are considered cholim. And if your child uses a certain infant formula and it works for them, and you're going to switch that formula because you found something from Eretz Yisrael that's, you know, you, you may be playing with fire. So, you know, please, you know, Shmartin Moedon Afshesechem is also a mitzvah in the Torah, like Rabbi Wickler started the show with. Um, and, and please, before changing medications, changing um, very sensitive types of, of products, please be very careful before doing so. The OU's position is that medications, unless they're syrupy, flavored, or chewable medications, do not need hashkacha. They do not need any special approval. Continue to take your capsules, continue to take your tablets, um, because they're not food items. They have no flavor. They have no taste to them, unless they're coated in some way with a flavor. And, and please continue to use them unless a doctor recommends otherwise. That's very, very important information. Yes, go ahead. One more question, the, the constipation kind of thing, those, um, um, no, those, um... Well, she, he already told you that... Uh, that's okay, that's mostly okay. Okay, fine, okay. I mean, thank you so much for everything. Thank you. I just want to let our listeners know that uh, we also have a booklet. Our booklet is uh, 80 pages. It's uh, the, the Passover Guide from Kasha's Magazine. If you haven't been getting the magazine, it's a good time to start. I'm going to give a special today. If you call 718-336-8544, again, 718-336-8544, or you can always email us at Kashrus. K-A-S-H-R-U-S at AOL.com. We're going to give us $20 special. And that's in, regularly the price of the magazine for the year is $25. We're making it $20 now. And we'll make a, a ridiculous offer to anybody in the uh, Flatbush Ballpark community that if you call us tonight, now, from now till sometime tomorrow, by, uh, uh, by Thursday, you will have it in your house. Don't ask me how, but by Thursday, it'll be in your house if you're in Flatbush or Borough Park. Again, 718-336-8544. If not, you can probably buy a copy at, a, at the Sforum store. You can check out a little bit more about Kashrus on online. We're at kashrusmagazine.com. And we've been doing, uh, serving the Jewish community for 34 years. Just a, a drop less than our sponsor, Glotmart. Okay, we have one more caller or so. Go ahead. You're on Kashrus on the air. Hello. Go ahead. You're on the air. Hi. Uh, I want a question. This Environ Fruit and Vegetable Wash, uh, it has a CRC hashtag. Is it for Pesach? You'll have to call the CRC. I don't have their telephone number. The CRC mean in, in, in Williamsburg? The, the stop no, is up on them? No, it doesn't look like that. I don't know. Uh, there's a, um, there's, there's and two there's C- also another one, which I can't read. It has a, another article it on it. Uh, Rabbi Rabinowitz says that that is the one. It's CRC. Let me tell you how to look the phone number up because I don't have the okay. telephone here. Look under His Achtus Harabonim. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Central Rabbinical Congress. I'm sorry. Central Rabbinical yeah. Congress. You'll find it's a long name. Central Rabbinical Congress in Williamsburg, and they will answer your question. 
Canceled. Okay. Another thing. Uh, what's the difference between fresh mushrooms and canned mushrooms? Oh boy, that's not that's a, that's a big I one. I know. Well, fresh mushrooms. I, I just go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. So yeah. many recipes are out there, and See, I haven't I, done it, and I've seen so much of the. I, okay, let's let's we only have a second. Okay, second really second let's re- fresh mushrooms are something which are grown. It's a fungus which is grown um, on different uh, products, including wheat. The obvious position is that mushrooms themselves yeah. can be kosher with peso. The fact that they grow on wheat um, is is inconsequential. They don't necessarily become kosher. Right. No. Also, the, the, what they're grown on is is not roy lachila. The the uh, bed that it grows on is not edible. I, I won't even mention some of the other items that are, that are there. But um, that that is, that is one thing. They have to be washed off properly. They should be washed off for sanitary reasons. They should certainly be washed off for pesach reasons. Um, canned mushrooms is a whole different product. It's something which can contain citric acid. It's something which is processed in a canning plant. But if it um, has, it can have yeah, a kosher pesach. It can be kosher pesach. Right. But, uh, but it should be. This is a type of product that. Definitely, um, many of these plants handle chametz. Um, definitely look for something with a Pesach, a reliable Pesach Hashkacha. Yes. Okay. okay thank, thank you very much. much. Okay. And I, I remember Rabbi was okay. winding thank up. You, Rabbi Wickler, really appreciate it. Just, Rabbi Wickler keeps mentioning Chag Kosher Sameach, and and, and, and and certainly he's not overlooking the Sameach. Please, as you prepare for Yantiv, let it be kosher, very kosher, but it also should be full, full oh, of Simcha. Beautiful. Thank you very much, Rabbi Rabinowitz. Thank you for joining us again, Imiya Hashem. Join us again next year, maybe even in the middle, we'll get you for something. Thank, and I, all our listeners, we're going to wish you a Chag Kashif Sameach, but we'll be here next week discussing all questions about Pesach that you'd like to discuss. So make sure you call. Six o'clock, we're going to start. We're going to answer as many questions as we possibly can dealing with your preparation for Pesach. We're going to discuss a little bit about Kashering, a little bit about uh, the Seder, and anything else that you'd like to discuss. It's a perfect time to call. Until next week, this is your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler for Kashif on the Air.